0: 1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045TheZone.com.
1: This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go.
0: Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us, as always. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. And many of you already do, and I appreciate that. Those that don't, eh, whatever. It's social media. It really doesn't matter all that much. What does matter is this. I am blessed beyond all measure, reasonable and otherwise. Just wanted to make sure. That I start off with that every single night. I hope you recognize how blessed you are in your life as well. If that's a conversation you've never had before, uh, I urge you to have it with somebody. But you can certainly start it off with me if you'd like. My DMs are always wide open on Twitter at jmartzone. would love to have that talk further with you if something stirred in you there. Before I get going tonight, I want to thank Covenant Presbyterian Church for hosting me this morning as a guest speaker Roe Fraser actually reached out to me, and I had not met him before. He was just someone that happened to listen to my program a few times and decided maybe I was a fit to, to speak to the men's breakfast this morning, and I was privileged to do so. I was blessed to do so. It was his birthday as well, which happy birthday to him, and it was an amazing experience, honestly, and able to basically sit there and talk about the grace of God as it applies to my life and my journey and, and how I've gotten to be so fortunate to be behind the microphone, being able to speak to all of you on a nightly basis about things I love, things that are escapes though, things that are certainly entertainment in the form of sports and in pop culture and just getting to meet some of those fine folks this morning and then having a couple of the senior pastors in attendance to hear it and didn't go in there with things prepared and that's more and more, that's what I'm doing on this show as well. I have a little bit of an idea of where I want to go, but I don't have stuff just laid out in front of me. And sometimes I have done that in the past, but it seems like as I've been more free-flowing, I've I've been able to, I don't know, the authenticity and the level of genuineness that I can present, I think increases with the vulnerability of not exactly knowing what the next thing is going to come out of my mouth is. And so all glory to God, certainly. And thanks again to Covenant Presbyterian for, for hosting me. And again, I didn't know what I was going to say, and it turned out to be basically a 45-minute testimony of much of it being the recent years of my life and how blessed I am and how I recognize that all these things that have come my way are undeserved and unearned. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to talk about that amongst like-minded folks. And hopefully there were some people... Uh, in attendance this morning that needed part of my message and that would have certainly made it all worthwhile, but a lot of kind things were said afterwards and I really appreciate it and I hope to be in touch with those folks going forward. Tonight is really interesting because tonight is Hope Night for a lot of fans of the NBA. And we talked pretty much nothing but NBA yesterday. We're going to talk heavy basketball this week. I did not tell you about that. But tonight is the NBA draft lottery. Usually that is, okay, well, let's we'll see who's going to get the first pick and who's going to get the second pick and whatever. But tonight it's different because not every year do you have a Zion Williamson. Not every decade do you have a Zion Williamson. Not since LeBron James has there been a prospect this height, this coveted, this desired by multiple franchises. And so everybody is paying attention because this is the Zion sweepstakes. That is what we are witnessing right now. That is what is going to happen tonight as we find out who gets that number one draft pick and who's actually going to get Zion Williamson. And so let me explain the rules to you because the actual postseason format in terms of where you finished determining your playoff odds and determining your lottery odds have changed the first three teams, New York, Cleveland, and Phoenix, that being the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Suns, have a 14% chance tonight. That's the best chance of landing Zion Williamson. Chicago Bulls next at 12.5%. Atlanta Hawks have a 10.5% chance. Washington Wizards, 9%. New Orleans Pelicans, 6%. Memphis Grizzlies here in state, 6% as well as the Dallas Mavericks at 6 3% for the Minnesota Timberwolves. 2% for the Los Angeles Lakers, who are making... All sorts of news for the wrong reasons. The Charlotte Hornets, 1%. Miami, 1%. And Sacramento, 1%. If Sacramento were to get it, then that goes to the Philadelphia 76ers. And what a story that would be. But most people have kind of just said, well, the Knicks are going to get this guy. Well, they have the same chance as the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Phoenix Suns. Cleveland just hired a brand-new coach in John Beeline. I'm going to talk about – I'm really going to talk about a weird sort of line of thought from Jay Williams, the former Duke star and the ESPN analyst, in the wake of John Beeline leaving Michigan and what he said about Jawan Howard and the culture of Michigan basketball, which I think is going to be entertaining and interesting. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But the Knicks have looked at this, and their fans have just gotten it in their heads that they're getting Zion. And maybe they are. But the board of government's changing this lottery system. The revamp format basically ensures that the team with the worst record is not going to get anything worse than the fifth pick. But before, it was no lower than fourth New system is going to level the odds at the top of the draft lottery, so that the teams with the three worst regular season records each have the same chance of winning the lottery. That being the fourteen percent chance that I talked about with Phoenix, Cleveland, and the New York Knicks. Pre two thousand nineteen, the top seed had a twenty five percent chance of winning the lottery. Second at nineteen point nine, and the thirteen, and the third seed at fifteen point six. Then the other participants reduce themselves gradually and that doesn't necessarily change but the worst record doesn't give you quite the advantage it used to so it could be cleveland it could be phoenix it might be the knicks if the knicks were to get zion williamson and potentially kevin durant and if you get zion williamson maybe kd that makes it an easier decision i want to go play with that guy maybe Kyrie wants to go there too or a secondary star if not Kyrie, if he wants to go join lebron in la Or who knows what he's going to do. But the Knicks have the fourth best odds, I believe it is, to come out of the East next year because people assume Kevin Durant's going there. Vegas assumes that's where he's going. They have just as good a chance. They have a better chance than anybody, or at least the best chance, along with two other teams, to get Zion Williamson. If New York gets him, or if the Lakers somehow get him, you can go ahead and pencil in it's rigged. Adam Silver's rigged it. The NBA's rigged it. I'm here to tell you that's not the case. You might want to talk about that with Patrick Ewing back in the day. But they're not going to do that. The fraud charges and the legal entanglements that could come from the false lottery, it's not going to happen. I don't know if the Knicks are going to get them or not. I think that the NBA is better when the Knicks are good and the Knicks haven't been good in any consistent way since the mid-90s. Since Jeff Van Gundy was hanging on to Miami players in the heat since John Starks since Charles Oakley since Anthony Mason since I guess Mark Jackson needs there for a time since Greg Anthony since a lot of guys that now wear suits and analyze the game for a living but hope is really interesting in sports because after the season ends you start to look towards the next one and you try to find hope even if you're the Cleveland Browns you've tried to find hope for years after years after years after years Christopher Martell, who hosts the Neutral Zone right here on this radio station, does a fantastic job. He is one of those Cleveland fans that's just sticking by it year after year. And now he's got a team that Lewis Riddick believes is going to put up, you know, 11 wins this year. I have my doubts, but they certainly have a quarterback of the future and a quarterback of the present in Baker Mayfield. And they've got Odell Beckham, and they've got Juice Landry, and they will have Kareem Hunt after eight games, after he finishes off his suspension. And they've got a young defense, talented secondary. Miles Garrett's a beast. They've got everything you want. They've also got a first-year head coach. They've got a lot of volatile players and personalities. And if they could all coalesce and just go after the victories, they could be extremely dangerous. But every team, doesn't matter who you are, all of a sudden you're going to win the division next year. Tennessee Titans going to win the division every year. They're going They're going to win the South this year. I know who you are. You've called the radio station before. You've talked to me before. Hope is a great thing. May we never lose that. Sports would really, really stink if you just assumed you were never going to get there. Cubs fans, hope. Me as a Braves fan, hope. Hope usually can be blind. But if you're a Knicks fan, or you're a Cavs fan, or you're a Suns fan today, you have hope in a young kid that's played one year at Duke, that's going to come in and potentially change the world. He's going to be the biggest marketing star the NBA has seen since LeBron, and I don't know that there's even a close second. He's got personality. He's got explosiveness. He's got athleticism. He can jump out of the gym. He plays good defense. He's already got post moves. The only thing he can't do is shoot consistently from outside about 12 feet, and that's why I continue to say, that's going to have to change. But Kawhi Leonard came out of San Diego State, couldn't shoot at all, and now he is one of the three best players in the league. If Zion develops a mid-range game, could start to shoot threes, and gets his free throw percentage in the mid to upper 60s or lower 70s, look out. He's I can't wait to watch his career. We are going to be so blessed. We've already been blessed with a lot of athletes Watching him and Ja Morant is going to be fantastic. I'm on record. I told you this before. I think John ja Morant's going to end up having a better on-court career than Zion Williamson. But I think both of them are going to be Hall of Famers. I think Jaws' game plays perfectly into 2019. If Zion develops a shot, all bets are off. If he can develop a shot, he's going to go down as one of the, I don't know, 15, 20 best players to ever play, probably. Maybe that's undercutting it, but I'm trying to be a little bit less than hyperbolic because you do that in media a little bit too often it seems but zion williamson represents hope for a lot of nba franchises tonight that are in this lottery now if it ends up going to like sacramento or miami or charlotte that'll be intriguing if it goes to sacramento that means it goes to philly i don't even know if that would necessarily fit i mean you find a way to make zion williamson fit he doesn't have health issues i know he exploded through his shoe but he wasn't out for very long Joel Embiid is still, I mean, he's a unicorn, but he can't stay healthy because he hasn't committed to fitness and conditioning the way that he could. And so he's lumbered around in Game 7. He played a good game. Ben Simmons can't shoot, but Joel Embiid, he has the problem. Look, the best ability out there is availability, and that's always in question when it comes to Joel Embiid. Knicks getting Zion puts the biggest marketing superstar in the biggest market, not just in America, but in the entire universe, in the world. It seems like that's what should happen if this was on a script, but it's not on a script. For the first time in a while, the NBA draft lottery is almost can't miss because it is the Zion Williamson sweepstakes. And whoever comes in second is going to get John Morant. Outside of that, I don't believe in R.J. Barrett. I've said that before. He is a high-volume shooter that's not particularly efficient, that doesn't shoot the three ball well, that doesn't play particularly strong defense, and that is more the George Costanza level chucker than somebody that's going to distribute and make other people better. Maybe he can develop that. He's a smart kid if you've ever listened to him. I like R.J. Barrett. He just kind of gets ball hoggy in a way that that worries me and would worry me if I'm a team that were to draft him. Culver coming out of Texas Tech, he seems to be a solid player. Bull Bull, just going to be another big guy. We'll see how that actually plays out when he's on the floor. There are some talented kids in this class. DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia is going to be a contributor, I think, in this league for eight to ten years. I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but I think he's going to be like a borderline all-star player It's going to do all of the things that you want. I mean, he's coming from a great program. He's the kind of guy that you would assume back in the day San Antonio would would have coveted. Smart teams like that that... Just They get these guys that contribute in multiple ways. DeAndre Hunter is going to be that kind of guy. He's a great scorer. He's a a very good athlete, but he rebounds and he plays defense and he commits to do everything. So this is going to be fun tonight. Draft lottery will be on television tonight, and we're all just going to sit there and say, okay, who's going to get Zion Williamson? Because Zion represents hope, and hope is one of the things that makes sports wonderful. So we'll all have our eyes peeled on that. Coming up next, Cleveland Cavaliers, John Beeline, and Jay Williams with kind of a weird thread on social media about what Michigan should do next. That's where we head next as the Big 6 rolls along here on a Tuesday in the Music City on 104. 104- <laughs> Welcome back into the Big 6 here on 104.5 the Zone. Glad to have you with us. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling Renter's Warehouse, the rent estate company. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at JMartZone. You can follow me there. I want to talk a little bit about John Beeline to the Cavaliers. John Beeline's name comes up an awful lot when coaching vacancies have opened in the NBA over the past handful of years. This is a guy who's been coaching for 27 years, has a 637 win percentage, 571 and 325 overall. Coached at Canisius. He was 89 and 62. He was 153 at Richmond with the Spiders. He was great there. West Virginia, 104 and 60. And Michigan, 278 and 150. And a four time conference champion in the tournament and in the regular season. He's 26 and 13 in the NCAA tournament over 13 years. Two Final Fours. Has not won a title. Came within an eyelash of beating that Louisville team in a classic. That Michigan Louisville game is underrated when you look at great. NCAA championship games over the past handful of years Michigan seems to always overperform in the tournament this year Maybe not quite as much, but I didn't think this team was quite as loaded as usual John Beeline leaves for the Cleveland Cavaliers accepts Dan Gilbert's offer Finally, Dan Gilbert went away from Tom Izzo at Michigan State who he always tried to get and just went for the other guy in Michigan and went for John Beeline who is an, one of the best coaches in the country no question about it, and a complete gentleman and has the respect of everybody. And Beeline is leaving college basketball after the scandal that just kind of rocked a bunch of schools. And I saw a couple of tweets from college basketball writers yesterday that said that they had spoken to a lot of folks within college basketball and said, look, if there's a Power 5 coach that's not cheating, it's John Beeline. I have no idea whether or not that's true, but it speaks to the level of integrity that he seems to carry himself with, which I certainly appreciate. But Jay Williams, yesterday, the former Duke star and ESPN analyst, said something kind of curious on Twitter. He tweeted out about how now that John Beeline is going to the NBA, Michigan has got to hire Jawan Howard to bring the culture back to Michigan that has been absent. Jawan Howard, who was part of that Fab Five with Chris Weber and Jalen Rose and Ray Jackson and Jimmy King that made it to a championship game and lost to Duke and then lost to North Carolina. But certainly a, a great team. One of the most storied college groups, certainly ensemble cast that we have seen. Rob Palenka was actually on one of those teams, the guy that's now destroying the LA Lakers alongside Jeannie Buss. But this is weird about the culture because... He tried to clarify it afterwards because I think he realized that this sounded kind of not intelligent. What exactly are you talking about? John Beeline won and won big at Michigan year after year and was a solid tournament coach, almost won a national championship there. Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, they've had talented guys come in through there. And then, but they haven't necessarily been Duke or Kentucky. But he always coaches everybody up. He did it at West Virginia the same way. He did it at Richmond, for crying out loud. Won 100 games out of 153 at Richmond. And we're sitting here talking about, like, Kurt Rambis, who was, what, 60-something and 160-something as a coach in the NBA, making all the decisions behind the scenes for the Los Angeles Lakers. You bring in John Beeline. He decides, okay, it's time to fulfill the nest egg at my age, born in 53. He's preparing so that he can retire and he'll be in good shape because he's going to make good money over this five-year deal that he's getting. But the idea of the culture. And so somebody questioned Jay Williams, just I guess one of the, one of the other people that follow him on social media, said, what do you mean by culture? Do you mean swag? And Jay Williams says, yeah, the swag. We all remember what Michigan used to be with the Fab Five. They were never that under John B. line's kind of what he was saying. Here's my thing. Who cares how much swag you have if you're winning a lot of basketball games? It seems odd. Now, Jawan Howard might be the perfect guy to hire. I mean, I have no idea. I know he's been on the sideline with Miami Heat, and he has been a coach and an assistant, and he certainly deserves his opportunity like anybody else does. But are you hiring a guy based on swag so that he can bring the culture back, or are you hiring a guy because he's the right guy for the job? I don't know who it is. I think they should interview Jawan Howard if he's interested in that gig. But Michigan's one of the premier jobs in college basketball. Of the football-first schools, Michigan basketball still matters quite a bit because they do have a pretty storied tradition. Back to Bill Frieder and then certainly to Steve Fisher, who was there during those Fab Five years. I mean, they, when they're good, they really do help to buttress that Big Ten. And it has been a good rivalry between Beeline and Izzo in the state of Michigan. And we saw that again this season. But John Beeline's culture, other than winning basketball games, should be pretty much irrelevant. And so Jay Williams tried to clarify, and he basically said, well, now that Beeline's gone, this is nothing against Beeline. Beeline's a very good coach. But now let's get the swag back. What? There's no swag at Duke. It's not like Coach K brings swag. Swag. Coach K just wins a lot of games. You should know. You were there. You won a lot of games in a Duke jersey. John Beeline is a great X's and O's game day coach. He makes great adjustments. He ran into a buzzsaw this year and got beat. But no shame in losing to Texas Tech this year. I I just I don't quite understand what he is insinuating here or what he thinks I just feel like he spoke without paying attention. He did not follow the Twitter rule. If you haven't heard of the Twitter rule, it's a good rule to apply in your life because Twitter is forever. When you tweet something out, even if you delete it, if it is a problem, you can better believe somebody has screenshotted it or saved it for perpetuity. The Twitter rule is, before you tweet, you stop and think for about 30 seconds after you write it down and you say, do I really want this out in the public sphere forever? And, of course, the bigger name you have, then the more you have to lose. It's why I I believe that most professional athletes would be better off not having social media accounts because they're already well-known. But if they do have them, somebody who's a professional should run them, and it should be extremely vanilla what they say. Just to keep up with people, I understand you want the personal touch, but you have a tremendous amount to lose if you say the wrong thing. Because you're generally going to upset people. And there are people, you know this, that are just sitting out there waiting for you to slip up so that they can bury you. And so I think Jay Williams just tweeted this and then he realized, well, that came across kind of bad. I really kind of sounded like I was sliding Beeline. He came back and said, look, that's no slight on Beeline. And look, I believe him, by the way. I just think that it was an odd thing to say in the first place. It was odd to even have that thought process. Now Now that Beeline's moving on to the NBA, it's time to get the culture back at Michigan. I mean, they've been winning games. If you get the swag back and you're winning fourteen games, I don't think that, that was a good I don't know if that was a good trade. Beeline has been at Michigan since 2007. He took over a team and it was a 10 win team that first season. Then he went twenty one and fourteen, then he had a fifteen and seventeen season. Then he was twenty one and fourteen again, then twenty four wins, then 31, 28. then had a five hundred season. At 16 and 16, then 23, 26, 33, and 30 this year. He is trending in the right direction. At Michigan, he was a 650 win percentage. Harbaugh would love to be as consistent as John Beeline has been for as long as he's been. He's won everywhere he's been, and he has coached at schools that don't necessarily have the recruiting advantages, in basketball in particular. West Virginia is definitely not a basketball school, but he had a 634 win percentage there. At Richmond, it was 654. At Canisius, it was 589. He's a guy that has respect, and he's been doing this for a long enough period of time that one would think players are going to listen to him. Now, who knows? College coaches, great college coaches, sometimes it doesn't translate to the pros. And he is a little bit older. But I think this is kind of a last ditch, kind of maybe it's a challenge for him, or maybe it's just, all right, I'm going to make some money, and let's see what we can do here, and that will just kind of dictate the remainder of what I'm going to do as a professional but he's going to a Cavs team that has a potential tonight now look he he takes this deal and it gets out there yesterday that John Beeline is going to become the, the new coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers what if 24 hours later they win the draft lottery and John Beeline gets Zion Williamson that would be quite a week for John Beeline if they don't maybe they get the second pick and they go grab John ja Morant either way I think if you're making a move to the NBA from college, with college basketball going through the scandals, which it looks like nobody seems to care about, but just looking at it from that perspective, you've got a good chance because you've got a 14% chance, which is equivalent to the Knicks and the Suns, as the best chance to land number one. You're going to get a top five pick. You have a real good chance of getting one of the first two picks. So if you're John Beeline, go ahead and make that five-year deal beforehand. And then cross your fingers, if you get number one or number two, you might have a franchise player immediately entering your team. I just spent the entire first segment talking about hope. I don't understand Jay Williams talking about the culture at Michigan because the culture only works if you're winning. A whole lot of front runners in this world that are funny and cracking jokes, and then when they lose, you don't hear a peep from them. And then then they get killed for that. That's what people like me, unfortunately, do for a living. As we find things to nitpick. Notice I haven't talked about Joel Embiid crying. That's because he cared. I don't think he phoned it in that night at all. I don't think he's in great condition. I think that maybe that commitment could come this year because he has the potential to be a top-five player in the NBA without any question if his health will, will be there for him if he can just commit on that side. But he really cared about this. And Mark Gasol coming up to him and, and telling him, look, you're going to be back here and just the respect there they've played on such a high level and they've given so much to the game. You're not going to have me sit here and just laugh because Joel Embiid cried. These guys do care. And so John Beeline leaves college, he goes to the pros, and he goes on a night where you could get a franchise-changing player. 24 hours ago, he becomes a coach. We find out about it. People start talking about it. He's leaving a great program, and he's leaving them at a tough time because they've got to go find a coach in May but it's just going to reshuffle the deck because whoever they get, they're going to get a talented person. Michigan's a very, very good basketball job. It's a good job, period. It's great school. Great school. But John Beeline made a move at the right time. He got paid well, five years, going to a young basketball team with low expectations, and tonight, he could get a unicorn. We'll see. We'll be right back. Big 6, and four. <laughs> Glad to have you with us here on a Tuesday night in the Music City. This is The Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can certainly follow me there. Reminder, if you miss any part of this program, subscribe to The Big Six with Jason Martin through your podcast catcher of choice. You can get the full archive. Everything that uh, we've done on this program. You can also subscribe to The Pop Six with Jason Martin, my pop culture podcast. We've had a lot of fun. We did a month on Friends. We've done a month on The Office. We just did a big Marvel Cinematic Universe cast last week. We're going to do another one this week. lot happening around me. I'm also going to be in on the wake-up zone on Thursday and Friday as Mark Howard's going to take a couple of well-deserved days off. And, of course, the Jason Martin Show coming up on Sunday from uh, 2 to 5 a.m. here. First two hours you'll hear live on 104.5 The Zone, Fox Sports Radio. Also be in for Jonas Knox on Saturday from 1 to 5 a.m. And you'll be able to hear all of that here on 104.5 The Zone as well. One thing I have not talked about on this show that a lot of the other media people certainly have and certainly it's been discussed on the other shows on this station too is Nashville and Major League Baseball. And I'm not a fan of this. I know John Lohr is, is gonna, wants to sit down with Rob Manfred and wants Nashville to get a team. And it looks like Nashville or Charlotte might get one. Portland's still in the mix as well. It's not that I hate the idea that Nashville's going to get baseball. It's that I don't know if Nashville can support it. And so let me lay this out for you a little bit. There was a question that was asked a couple of weeks ago to me as to whether or not Nashville was a sports city that likes to party or a party city that also likes sports. You could make an argument either way, but I think it's the latter. And so when you think about the Tennessee Titans, the NFL is the NFL. That's one thing. It's the best pop culture thing in America bar none soccer still wins globally but in this country it's football football's king look at the ratings even a bad games they still do incredibly well even when they're down everybody would crawl over broken glass to get those ratings in tv with the exception of like ncis and big bang theory which came to an end last night and then there's hockey and hockey's a really niche sport nobody really watches it in nashville outside of the predators I mean, I enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I'll listen if Doc Emmerich is doing it, and I really like hockey growing up. It's just it's a sport that I, I catch, but it's not one that I plan my life around, unless it's the Preds. And even sometimes then, I don't plan my life around it. And so they got knocked out of the postseason, which hurt them badly because they could be dominating media right now because it's all we would be talking about. But getting knocked out in the first round means you can only talk about contracts that you can't move so long until it's just kind of a wrap there. But Major League Baseball is a completely different animal. You've been to Sounds games. I've been to Sounds games. They're fun. They're not fun to sit there and watch every pitch. And one of the most weird things, and very few people do it, thank goodness, but newspaper reporters or reporters that cover Minor League Baseball for the wins and losses, nobody cares. All we're doing is looking at players that might be able to go to the next level or just kind of trying to get behind them from a community standpoint. But do you know the Sounds record? Have you ever known the Sounds record? The Sounds is a fun place. You know, I've gone, you know, I've taken taken a gal on a date there. You sit out there on the berm on like a a blanket or something like that, have a Coke. It's a a good experience. When I went to the opening of SunTrust the first day, I was there for the Braves when they opened that park, and I didn't watch nine innings that game. I walked around the stadium for a large part of it just to see everything, and you can kind of check in. Baseball you can kind of check in and check out of. Now, when you get to the NLCS or the ALCS and World Series, maybe that's a little bit different. But it is a different kind of sport. But back to the question at hand about whether Nashville is a party city that likes sports, which is kind of my side of that argument. Nashville finds the biggest party, and then they do it up. Look at the NFL draft. That was the biggest party in town, and so 600,000 people showed up. The Titans, that's an aberration. That's a different story because it's the NFL. That's why I said that off the top. Football we're eliminating from this discussion. The Preds became a great party. It became a great atmosphere, and they started winning. And so you started going. You started seeing the yellow around. The Nash Collection starts releasing their stuff. Project 615, who I love to death and love their mission and love everything about them. Their stuff starts popping out. You start seeing all these things. Hang TN, everything. It becomes a great party. But where does Nashville flock? They flock to the greatest party. Are they going to flock to a major league ballpark for 80-some games a year? I just doubt it. Because I don't know that that's the greatest party. Because how many great baseball stadiums do you see in this country that are wonderful parties? Hockey crowds are usually pretty raucous across the league. They're a lot of fun. That's a different kind of experience. Now, if you want to build a park that hosts 25,000, and it's more of an intimate deal, which is what I think we're going to start seeing with a lot of pro sports stadiums, then maybe you can fill it more often than not, and you can create a different level of experience, and you can put a lot of bells and whistles in that you couldn't otherwise when there's 60,000 seats. But you're not going to fill that thing. And where are you going to put it? There's a whole lot of stuff downtown. Maybe you want it in Williamson County. I've heard all of these things. The biggest deal is baseball is not on the ascent. It's on the descent. People have asked, could Nashville support an NBA team? Boy, I would love it, because I love the NBA, as you well know. But there's already a team in Memphis, and the answer is probably no. Nashville is a big enough market at this point, and sports is important enough in many respects that all sports could make the argument that it would be a good place to put their next franchise. But first off, baseball doesn't need to expand. It needs to take teams from somewhere else, if anything. Or it needs to contract. There's already too many teams. But there are other logistical issues with baseball, not the least of which is there's just too many games. Again, the sounds is not a great party. It's just a good place every once in a while if you don't have anything else to do, go watch the sounds play. And that's not sliding the sounds at all. They do what they do exceedingly well. But this ain't the Predators. This isn't a market that necessarily needs another party because there's already too many. Saturday night, I was probably at the best party in town at the Dave Matthews concert at Bridgestone Arena. That was a great time. Everybody coalesced around that. When it was a big act at the Ryman. Same difference. Sometimes you've got a big act at the Ryman and you've got the Preds, or you've got a big act at the Ryman, or and then you've got Kenny Chesney or Taylor Swift at Bridgestone Arena, and then of course you've got Broadway. There are so many contestants for your entertainment dollar that adding one that requires you to go sit for three to four hours to watch what Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox said in a radio interview last week is a boring sport. Let me go back and say that again. Tim Anderson, one of the best young stars in the game, Chicago White Sox player, did not realize the no-hitter, or the perfect game that was pitched last week. It was a no-hitter that was pitched last week. And when he was asked about it, he's like, I don't follow baseball. It's a boring game. And he wasn't joking. I talked about that on Saturday when I was in for Doug Matthews with Alan Cockrell. It's a sport that is losing more and more because the younger crowd, even if they're playing it, the experience ain't the same. The game isn't what it used to be. Right now, it's a lot of home runs. It's a lot of strikeouts. The nuance of the game has sort of been lost. You're seeing basketball sort of trend that way with the three ball. Or at least it's becoming a little bit tedious to watch a bunch of bricks all day long. But bringing baseball brings issues and it brings requirements. And it, I just look at it and I say, are you really going to go to enough games to make this thing work? The last thing you want is to bring a team here and not support it. If you get here, get them here and they start to win, does that spiral downhill and do they become the Predators? I just think the Predators atmosphere is something you can't duplicate in baseball. One of the big reasons is, I mean, maybe you make it an indoor stadium, you can make it super loud. I just don't think you need another pro sport here. I think you've got all the music, and you've got the Titans, and you've got the Predators, and you've got other things in the way that would make this a major uphill climb for Nashville. If they get it, believe me, I'll go to the games. The other problem is we already have teams. I'm a Braves fan. You may be a Braves fan. You could be a Reds fan. There's people in this building who are Cubs fans and Astros fans and Cardinals fans. We've all adopted a team already. If Nashville gets a team, are we supposed to drop that and become a Nashville fan? I mean, I'll pull for them if Atlanta's not playing, I guess. But I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. That's not going to change. That's been ingrained for me for over three decades of my life. It's a transplant city. A lot of people that live here, we're getting 100 new people a day on average based on the estimates. These are transplants from other markets that already have rooting interests. That makes it even more difficult. The NFL is different because it's the NFL. Major League Baseball, if it comes in here and you're a Yankees fan, or you're a Red Sox fan, or you're, like me, an Atlanta Braves fan, I don't know how much this hits your radar. Baseball in 2019, it's not exactly bringing the young, hip crowd to your town. So I'm not... I don't want to say I don't want it here. I'm just saying I struggle to believe that it would succeed here. Is that fair? Hopefully it is. Write me at jmartzone on Twitter if you disagree. I'll be glad to entertain those arguments. I have no problem being wrong. We'd love to see it get here and it be supported. I just think a little bit too soon. Nashville is growing. It's expanding hugely. I don't think that it needs to expand to Major League Baseball right now. We'll be right back to finish the show. Big 6, 104.5. This segment of the program. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. Dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renters Warehouse. You can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. So Joe Flacco has, well, he was asked about Drew Locke. The quarterback that Denver selected came back up and selected in the second round of the NFL draft. And Joe Flacco, of course, acquired from the Ravens. Case Keenum shipped out and Joe Flacco was asked about Drew Locke and basically said I'm not going to mentor him that's not my job I want to play the best football of my life blah 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 before I even comment on this listen to what Dan Orlovsky had to say on ESPN this morning when he was asked about this Dan Orlovsky who is one of the best analysts in the business already but listen to what he had to say about Joe Flacco then I'll talk about it on the other side
1: well I can appreciate Joe's mindset but he's wrong he's a hundred percent wrong and first of all let's look at Joe as the player right In his last six seasons, one time has he thrown for more than 20 touchdowns. One time has he thrown for more than 4,000 yards. So in many ways, he is an aging veteran mentor. When you ask Joe, what's my number one goal? It's it's, I want to go win football games. Well, if you asked him, hey, are you going to mentor Deshaun Hamilton or Cortland Sutton or two young receivers for Denver? He would say yes. Are you going to mentor Noah Fant, your tight end that you just took in the first round? He would say yes. Because it's going to help us win football games. But let me throw this out, Greeny. Let's say he doesn't mentor Drew Locke, right? And at some point this season, Joe Flacco gets a little bit of an ankle. Nothing severe, but he gets an ankle. Locke has to go play for a a half or another game. Doesn't play well, and they lose. You get to the end of the season, they miss the playoffs by a game. You didn't achieve your goal of getting wins and making to the playoffs because you refused to mentor the young kid. He's going to take your job eventually. They drafted him for that. So he's wrong thinking, oh, I can mentor certain people but not others.
0: Basically what Orlovsky is saying is he's placing himself above everything else. You have to mentor the person that's brought in. But I want to take it to a different perspective. What Orlovsky said, there's nothing I really need to add to that. That's very, very well stated. If he does get injured and he hasn't helped out Drew Locke at all, then they may miss the playoffs. And eventually Drew Locke's probably going to take his job. And that's just the way it is. I would like to say it from a different perspective, and that is anything you try to hold on to that tightly as if it's on some pedestal in your life, you're going to lose. And let me say this. Flacco talking about he wants to play the best football of his life, and it's not really his job, and there's other people that can do it. When you are that paranoid, and that's how this comes across is he's paranoid and he is worried about losing his job. And he sees a young kid being drafted, and he knows he's getting into the twilight of his career. He hasn't been effective over the last handful of years. He was basically expendable in Baltimore because of Lamar Jackson, who I'm still not sure is a long-term quarterback in this league. How can Joe Flacco enjoy what he's doing for a living when he's trying to protect this at all costs? He's going to be so concerned about his own job that he's going to forget that he's playing football. I know he's making millions, and he is doing it at a high level, and he cares about winning. I'm not saying that. I understand winning has to matter, and you have to play like every game is your last. But I hope that people that do this for a living also have a chance to enjoy what they're doing. If I cared so much about every other show on this radio station and how I stacked up compared to them, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the job that I do. I wouldn't be able to enjoy the blessing that I have to do this job. The only thing that I can really focus on is how I treat other people and how I do my job. And make no mistake, from day to day, that varies. Sometimes I'm really displeased with how I treat people and how I do my job. It is a push-pull. It's a constant struggle. I am more imperfect or as imperfect as everybody listening right now. And I don't think that if I were cold to everybody here, if I didn't talk to any of the producers, if I did not when people would write me from the industry or say kind things or people would ask for my advice, if I would just shut them down, not ever have conversations because I don't want the job market to become more flooded and for people to be able to compete with me. I don't think that that would reap very many benefits in my life. Even if I got stuff, it would feel like I was storing up grain in a silo that I was never going to be able to keep in the end anyway. And so I would urge you in your life not to follow this example. And I'm not judging Joe Flacco. I think he is wrong here. But Joe Flacco is not known to be a bad guy in any way. But I would urge you in your life, and and this is something that is always going to be a push-pull and it's always going to be a struggle because we're selfish and our ego reminds reminds us of it at all times, every minute of every day. It's interesting. I was reading yesterday about how you don't think about your body parts unless they're malfunctioning. You don't think about, man, my elbows are working great today. But if you've got a knee injury, all of a sudden that knee matters. Well, your ego is always fractured. Your ego is always in the way. It's always struggling for the top spot. And so that's why I always talk about how you walk around in this life too often with a mirror in front of your face. And if you could just put the mirror down and look at everybody else and just trust in what's going to happen in your own life and worry, you know, just worry about what you can control, which ain't a whole lot. But at least try to enjoy what you're doing. I don't need to worry about 3HL or Midday 180 or The Wake Up Zone or any of those shows. I just root for them privately. I just want to see them all be good. I want to see them all just be spectacular. And then, yeah, I want to be good at what I'm doing. I'm going to do the best job that I know how to do, but I'm not going to turn my back on everybody else in the process, or at least I hope not. And this isn't me like saying I'm holier than thou or anything. It's something that you struggle with because your ego tells you, no, I want to be better than that show. And I do hope that I'm really good at what I do, but I also want to enjoy it. And I also want to mentor those behind me. And if somebody ends up being better than me, then so be it. That's awesome. It's the same thing as your parents wanting your life to be better than theirs, that that's their goal, that you're... It changes. You just want the best for your children. That's something I'm hopefully going to experience real soon in my own life. I know it was true for my parents with me. So Joe Flacco is wrong for what Orlovsky said on the field, but I think he's getting this one wrong because he's not going to have fun this year at all, is he? When we can try to have fun in our lives and when you get a chance to do what he does for a living, man, you've got to stop and you've got to remember just how cool it is to get to do what you're doing. I said it this morning to, to uh, the Presbyterian Church, Covenant Pres, that I spoke at. I don't dig ditches for a living. I get to talk about sports. So far be it for me to complain or to hold back whatever maybe I can help other people with, if there is anything. Just
1: food for thought. We'll see you tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good night.